Michael Bieber, it's such a tremendous pleasure to be here in your offices of Exeger and to have spent a few minutes getting to know you beforehand and hearing about the right reasons behind why you're building this company. Um, it's a tremendous honor to have you. Thank you for having me. As, as we've talked about the, the way you've built this company, the path you took to getting here, the risks that you've taken in 2007, et cetera, et cetera, and, and where you're going with this, as you look across that full spectrum, the single question I have for you today is, if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, or just have never thought to give any credit or thanks to, whether it's someone you've never met before or someone you've known your entire life, who would that be? You know, it's funny. Uh, you told me this question um, was going to come up. And of course, it takes, it take, you know, you, you start to really think about it. And, um, and, and my answer is going to sound corny, and I apologize for that. Um, but when I really triangulated it, uh, I came back to one person, and it was my mom. She was the person that ultimately, uh, when I look back at how I was brought up and um, what she allowed me to do, and, and, and I can get into that if you want, um, she absolutely set the course uh, to make me an innovator uh, and a confident risk taker. And, uh, and it really came down to so many things that happened in my life that a parent is faced with, how do I deal with this? And how she ultimately dealt with it said, um, okay, I'm going to allow you uh, to do the thing that you want to do. Uh, and she would set rules around it. Um, she would say things like, Michael uh, is the kind of person, uh, kind of child, uh, that if you put him on a leash, uh, he will strangle himself. Um, so we can't do that. Um, and that would be a good conversation with my very British father, um, who had a very, very tight and defined rule book. Um, and she was those rules don't apply. They actually didn't apply to my sister. They didn't apply to me, but they did to my brother. He was happy with rules. Uh, he was happy that his life was defined by those rules. Um, I was not that person. And uh, she made it clear to everybody around me um, that Michael needs a long leash. Uh, not so long that he will kill himself, uh, but long enough that he needs to be able to run until he gets to the end and, and, and there's still enough room there that he doesn't strangle himself. And I think that's where it sort of began. And um, I can look at so many instances in my life, and if, you're, if you want me to, I'll, I'll describe a few, but um, give you one early one. So I'm 11 years old and um, I'm going to summer camp, which is uh, uh, you're a Toronto Jewish kid, um, you're going to summer camp. And whether you're going to a paid camp or you're going to a B'nai B'rith camp, but you're going to summer camp. And uh, there was this camp that was founded called WabiCon. It was uh, north of North Bay, which, you know, give you a sense of most of the camps were probably within an hour and a half of Toronto. This camp was five and a half hours outside of Toronto. Most camps were um, regimented and scheduled. This camp was considered a free camp, an alternative camp. Uh, this camp was on an island. This camp had no electricity. This camp um, had no programming. The programming was created by the campers along with the staff. Uh, most of the camps the kids would go to had three, four hundred people. This camp had 70 people. 
and, and this is the camp that I heard about, and this is the camp I wanted to go to. And, you know, a decision to, to, to allow a kid to go to a camp like that, which, you know, does not have any of the creature comforts, doesn't have any of the defined scheduling, you know, but for her to say, yes, you can go, was a huge statement for a parent to make. And then, of course, to actually live in that environment uh, and do the things that we did every day at that camp, whether it was um, the director decided, along with a group of senior people, that we would live by night and sleep by day. So literally, we changed the course of the camp, and, and that's how we did it. Um, and, and, and everything we did there was always of a view uh, for, for one day of the camp, you had to hook up with another person. You literally had to tie your ankle and, and tie your wrist, and you were with that person for 24 hours straight, except that you were um, sighted and they were blind. And then they were sighted and you were blind. Like These were the types of things that we were doing at this camp, which, again, taught you about creativity, talked to you about risk-taking. I'm uncomfortable with this try it, you know, and, and, uh, and then it continued when I, you know, got back from this camp and got on with, you know, the next phase of my life. Um, I wanted a change in how I was being educated. Uh, I didn't like, again, the standard sort of programming. Um, and I found a school called the Alternative Independent Study Program, ACE, um, that, again, sort of friends that I met at this, this camp uh, some of them were going to this school, and this is, you know, looking at ninth and 10th grade, and, uh, and ultimately I was allowed to attend this camp, and, uh, sorry, this school, and uh, again, put into an environment where um, the curriculum rules were not as they were in other schools, that so you would actually sit down, and uh, while there was a sort of core syllabus that you had to sort of hit, there was still 60% of your time open to do other things. So. I just felt that, uh, that when I was looking back at it, um, that she really was the kind of person. Ultimately, I'll, I'll tell you my choice of profession. Um, she was the kind of person that really gave me the freedom to, to do the things I wanted to do. You are very good at using the collective we when describing your camp experiences and the actions that you took as this community, this group, um, to innovate and be creative. Uh, what did you and your mom like to do together to push the boundaries? Like, I imagine that, as you said earlier, she would give you freedoms, but they came with rules. What kind of arrangements did the two of you have? And, you know, uh, how did that bring you two closer? I would say that uh, she and I did not do a ton together. I, I wouldn't say that, that my, um, you know, who I became and what I became was less about, it was more about what she allowed me to do and less about what we would do together. But the one thing that we did have was a great dialogue, a, a very great and a very honest dialogue um, where she could, be, she could look me straight in the eye and, and tell, tell me what she thought. Um, and it wasn't sanctioned, oh, you can't do that, or you can't do this. It's, I see what you're doing, I understand what you're doing, and I don't agree with it, or I do agree with it. Um, and so we had a very rich and fundamental dialogue, but 
but it wasn't, I would tell you, when you say, what did we do together? I'll tell you the one thing that we did together more than, and this is going to be a little shocking, more than anything else was uh, we were the first in line for every horror movie that came out. <laughs> as young as I can remember. Um, it's what I loved. Again, my sister and I are very similar. It's what she loved. The three of us uh, going out, you know, because you had to have an adult. Yeah. Um, but other than that, we, we spent a lot of time together doing sort of family things. But it wasn't, oh, we uniquely like to do this or we uniquely like to do that. I had more of those things with my father. Um, but what I did have with her was a very open and uh, honest dialogue. Was it outside of her own personality's comfort zone to be that way with you? How, how did she let herself get to that point of creative freedom with you and, and honest dialogue? Was that a stretch? How did she you know, get the confidence to get there? I think, no, uh, it actually never seemed like a stretch to me. Um, I was a challenging kid, not in the sense that I'm going to challenge you, um, but right from the beginning, um, if you go into to kindergarten, um, when my brother came out, who's, by the way, one of my closest friends, he came, comes out of kindergarten, and my mother shows up with me, you know, a year later, and the kindergarten teacher says to my mom, oh my God, Jeffrey was so amazing, so excited to have Michael. And my mom said, look, um, no, this is not going to be the same experience, and you need to know that. Michael will push every boundary um, <laughs> that exists in your classroom, and, uh, and he'll do it all with a smile. But he will, he will challenge you in, in ways. So you need to understand, Michael is not his brother. And, um, and my mom would describe it as um, other kids get sent home, you know, get sent out of the class and get sent home. Your teacher would, at the end of the day, would put an envelope on you. She would pin it to you, and you would walk home with that envelope pinned to you, and in it, it would describe all of your <laughs> antics for the day. And you, know it, you knew it would. You learned later on that those notes were absolutely giving, this is my mom talking, giving me content about how you acted for the day, and yet you were still, almost with a pride point, you know, prepared to keep them pinned on you and get home and have me read it and then sit down and talk to you about what just transpired during the day. So, again, it was, it was one of those things. She identified early on that um, she, you know, what, what I had, they would call today ADD. At that time, my mom defined it as uh, boy's disease. Right? <laughs> That's what she used to tell me later on it was. The open and honest dialogue with a, with a mother, you know, it, it provided a lot of guidance for you. What kind of guidance do you think your ADD, your pushing the boundaries, your risk aversion or indulgence, I mean, uh, what do you think that provided her and her growth and her nurturing? Oh, I, look, I think it, it, it made parenting exciting. <laughs> There's no question. Um, yeah, I think it, it challenged her in a different way. Look, it, I think there's, there's, there are different types of children. There is the children that pushes the envelope, meaning 
they run after the window to break it, right? They'll, you know, I see a window, I want to break that window, and they break it, and now you're dealing with, you know, um, an issue where you have to discipline the, 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 the kid. I just feel that uh, she understood that my testing the boundaries was exactly that. It wasn't testing the boundaries to see, um, I want to do this to see if I can get away with it. I want to do this to rabble-rouse and cause trouble. I wasn't there to cause trouble. I was testing the world around me. Um, I felt it then. I feel it now, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, people think I'm a risk taker. Now that I'm, you know, the age I am, I'm 59, I've, I've tested a lot of different ways. And so now, you know, your, your instincts and your ability to identify a given situation and respond to it is very different. But when you're younger, you know, obviously those, those skills are not as honed. Um, you don't have the experiences, and so you're going, you know, it's got a lot, a lot of intellect to it. But I think at the end of the day, it just had to be, you know, fun. Um, I think that she would walk away from many of my situations and smile uh, and hope, frankly, that either I wasn't going to be hit by a car or arrested, you know, all those things, you know, because when you are... When you are testing, it can all work out well. Uh, and then there's the other side where mm, it's not going to work out so well. And, uh, and, you know, we have all of those in my upbringing. Um, Is she still with us? She's not. She's not. With, with her not being with us and you still, we all still being uh, young boys inside in some way, where do you get that type of guidance from now? You know, you're, you're a chairman, you're an investor, you're a CEO. Where do you get that guidance from now? You know, I think that you have, um, and I'm talking about her, but I, I haven't talked a lot about my father. So my father was a sort of disciplined entrepreneur uh, in his business. He was a lender, but in Canada, there weren't uh, a lot of people that were lending against other than tr very traditional things. And so there was a big move afoot to, confirm, to um, convert farmland into real estate, you know, real development projects, but you needed early financing to move that forward, and that's what he did for a living. So in addition to having, um, you said name one, and I named one, I also had a very close relationship with him, which was very much based in business. So a lot of what we, he had a boat, so we spent a huge amount of time on his boat. And in spending that time together, we spent a lot of time talking about business. So, and my father is no longer with us now either. So where does that put me? Um, I've been very fortunate. I have some very, very, uh, I have a very great relationship with my sister. I have a great relationship with my brother. And so I get a lot from that. Um, I also have a business partner of 21 years. Uh, Mike Jerkaski. So even though um, I had built with a group of people a business uh, that we sold to uh, Kroll, which was Mike was the CEO of that business. We sold it to them in 1998. Uh, at that point in time, I was in my late 30s. That was the first business that I had built and sold. Um, so really, and I've been with Mike since then. I was his uh, executive vice president and head of strategy and M&A from 1998 until we sold the company in um, 2004. I then became his head of strategy and M&A for Marsh McLennan when he became the CEO. So we're now still together. 
Um, and, and so through that, uh, obviously him and then, and then people I've met over the years. So, um, a guy named Tim Mitchell, as an example, who I, who was a good friend at when I was, we were in a client, uh, situation. I was a forensic accountant. He was a lawyer. Uh, he wanted to go off into business. I did as well. So we had a great relationship, which we do to this day. Um, so yeah, I have a group of people around me that, you know, I can, I can number one, test ideas against too, but also, uh, really work with. And, you know, frankly, uh, um, even Nick Leppard, as an example, 39 years old, I've been around a lot longer, but, you know, we're building in certain respects some more businesses. So I look for people that have either done what I've done or in the situation I'm in and, and share sort of the views about where I am and, and, and seek advice. As you look out of this office, David at the front desk, Colleen, the wonderful, uh, the, the wonderful presence she brings, what parts of this culture that you've built remind you of your mother? Well, I think the, uh, the open, you know, just I am as transparent a person as I know, meaning I, you know, I just think about something I did last night, which I, I just don't think most people would do, but, you know, to tell it the way it is, and it's not personal, meaning to, we have very clearly a mission here at Exeger. We're all on board with that mission, and, um, and that's what's most important. And so I'm very focused with everybody. I want to know what you think. Good or bad, I want to know what you think. I want to know what we can do better. Um, so very collaborative, very transparent. Doesn't mean that we're, we're not going to make decisions, and we do. But I think people hear two things. One, think that they could walk into my office at any time and talk to me about what's on their mind. Um, also, frankly, uh, um, my parents knew how to party. <laughs> like, really knew how to party. And uh, I think that's why they both died young. They, they lived life to the fullest. And, and that's what people always say. My, my father was Monty. My mother was Carol. That's what people always said about them. They had a boat. My father was an unbelievable, um, unbelievable with people. And uh, he would get, you know, 15, 20 people on the boat. I knew how to mix a martini as an eight-year-old. Uh, and, and, you know, Mike lied like a dirty martini from one of his friends. I knew what that was. I knew how to make it. And so... I think that I've carried that into here too. We know how this culture knows how to party. Um, <laughs> we, when we first started our first uh, year and a half in, we took everybody down to Miami, not for the purpose of partying, although we did. It was to really create yeah. this company, create the name, create uh, our guiding principles, all the things that formed the foundation for what we became. Uh, but I can assure you that while we were there, we also knew how to have a great time. And I have to t tell you, so transparency, serious, but also know how to let your hair down and really uh, enjoy what you're doing. And, and my parents were both, both those people. I love that. If you weren't sitting in front of a man in a jumpsuit and a fanny pack, and you were sitting across your mother, Carol, my mother's name is Carol, by the way, what would you say to her? What would I say to her today? Um, wish she didn't leave so young wish you were in my life um but uh yeah those would be the uh those would be the core of what i'd say and i i would say i would say thank you but i'd also do a little bit of jumping up and down and saying look what happened 
um you know i i uh my mother grew up in an environment where money was tight and uh and they brought us up in a very thoughtful way we were all of us were hard working um all three kids were all incredibly focused incredibly hard working are to this day um and uh you know, she wanted to see that sort of fiscal responsibility in our lives, um, and we had it. I think when she started to see the success I had before Exeter, she didn't understand it because she saw me starting to live a certain life, which was not a life that she expected someone at that age. It wasn't a, an aggressive life, but compared to where she was, uh, not to where we were as a family because my father did very well, but where she had grown up, and she wanted us to be very cognizant that that you, you, know, you are very cautious around money because it can be here today and gone tomorrow and so on and so forth. But um, as she started to see me have success and frankly, total financial independence uh, from my family, um, I think it created, I think it surprised her, not that I would be successful, but it's just she, um, and I think at the end of the day, um, very proud of the things that I was doing, but also um, that it was resulting in me being in a situation that, that she never was in. And uh, so I'd be, I think, I think, look, I think she died so young, young relative, she, she uh, truly started uh, to have uh, dementia challenges at 70. And so really, and she died at 74. So those four years, really were in decline, but even as early as, uh, you know, age 70, she had seen me accomplish a lot, um, but nothing like, uh, like we've done here. And so it would be, it'd be, yeah, you left, you left to her. I wish you were in our lives. I wish you saw what, what, uh, Laura and the boys and, you know, how we've thrived, not just survived, but thrived here in New York. Um, but also, you know, looking at Exeter. It's just, it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty great. Well, Michael, cheers to Carol, to both our Carols. Um, for all you folks out there that are listening, uh, just know that, as Michael said before, uh, the leashes, when, when put around us, are, are only strangulation. And if you have if you have kids out there, or if you're a kid yourself, uh, just just know that that rambunctious spirit, that ADD, that creativity, that radicalness, um, is scary to yourself. It's scary to others, but it's actually your greatest gift. And when you when you learn how to harness it for others in the right way, you can empower them to do. A hell of a good job as Michael and, and everybody here at Exeter have, have done. So please come check out everything Michael Bieber is up to. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I hope you all having a phenomenal day on Earth. Remember, it's your world. Go explore, and we'll see you next interview. Mm-hmm.